and I am bearing fruit in every good work. Jesus, I am open for your rebuke, chastisement, and correction. I increase in love. I increase in patience, in kindness, in peace, self-control, meekness, joy, and goodness. Day by day, I look more like Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are my Lord, my master, my ruler, and my king. I submit to you by submitting to your word. You want to affirm these words in the language of the spirit over your life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Rosa leba shonde bimo rose. Lendizo londi branda sati kuranda. Reme zende ziloma zende zende. Rosa tinda lembe shika dunda. Rapa sadaya bashanda. Rosa leba shonda bindo zenemene. Rasa bindo shanda. Rosa leme shanku randa besinda. Atini wini yazai. Razu leme shanda. Bali Kasanda, Rosene Mezinda, Siro Asanda, Rembe Sende Bekundara Sende. You want to open up your spirit even as we receive the word of God. Rembe Sanda Bino Sende De, Apilia Sanda Sanda, Uranda Sinda Sunda Laya, Karuda Saya, Makala Vrosa Fela Donche. Lift those hands up to the heavens. Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We're so grateful. As we show your word, we ask that you open the eyes of our understanding. That we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who have believed? We will never be the same, but we will be transformed as we conform to your word. Thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts, for rebuking us, and for bringing us transformation. We give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. We want to... Um, um, acknowledge the presence of Mr. and Mrs. Banini. They, they are looking great. You're welcome back from your honeymoon. We hope you had a good time. God bless you. You fasted and prayed, of course. Hallelujah. <laughs> what a blessing. All right. So last week, we began um, a teaching that the Lord began to lay upon my heart on the blessedness of the word the blessedness of the word and we began to look at how essential God's word is to us as the people of God the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, the verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
so in estimation the word of God is equal to God and God is equal to his word which means that whatever God represents his word represents whatever God can do his word can do which also means that if God gives you his word he has given you himself which also means that your value and estimation of the word of God is your exact value and estimation of God himself praise God so how you see the word of God is how you see God how you respect and honor the word of God is how you honor God. Hear me. How you obey the word of God is how you obey God. Which also means that the way you treat the word of God, if God was to appear to you in a physical form, that is exactly how you treat God. I repeat myself again. How you treat God's word in your heart, in your thought, and in your actions is exactly how you would treat God if he was to appear physically to you in human form. So there is a reason why the study, the reading and meditation of God's word should be a very essential habit and lifestyle of the believer. And like last week I told you that to have a walk you need two legs. If you lose one leg, though you can move, your progress will be little. Likewise, we said to have a walk with God, you will need two spiritual legs, which is the word of God and prayer. In Acts chapter 6, the, the verse 4, he says, but we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So these two legs are identified every part of the Bible. So without the word of God and prayer, no believer can have a walk with God. And hear me, any walk you claim you have with God outside the word of God and prayer is an assumption. Any walk you claim you have with God outside the word of God and prayer is an assumption. And anybody who has an experience outside God's word and prayer will soon be doubling in error. It's just a matter of time. Any man of God who functions very powerfully but does not base his ministry his gifting, his anointing, if it's not based on the foundation of the world, the, the word of God, I don't care how anointed he is. He's either fake or genuine to be fake. 
and will eventually be fake. So, many have not realized how essential the word of God is. Therefore, neglecting the word of God is neglecting God himself. That's dangerous. Neglecting the word of God is neglecting God himself. So hear me. The Bible is the word of God in a written form. Jesus is the word of God in a living form. So last week we began to look at some few establishments of how essential the word of God is. And we said that one major area the devil attacks believers in is in going to the word. Satan will do everything possible to make you not read, study, or be with the word of God. Because he knows what the word of God can do in a man's life. And hear me. If you're a child of God who does not read your Bible, study your Bible, meditate on the Bible. I'm sorry for you. You are not safe. I know what I'm saying. You are not safe. You are living in danger without knowing. It's only a matter of time you realize that you are living in danger. When you read the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 from the verse 6 to 8 the Bible tells us after Elijah in 1 Kings 17 1 had commanded that it, there shall be no rain he himself was affected by the demonstration of the power which he did because there was no rain and he became hungry and thirsty. But the Bible tells us that after a complaint he made from 1 Kings chapter 19 downwards, he made a complaint that God is better God should kill him and take his life. Then God made a certain provision for him. And the Bible says, and he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay him down again. Now look at the verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for me. Now note the word arise. Which means there is an effort. He says eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. And the reason why he had to eat was because he had a journey. He had a walk. He had to travel. He had to sojourn. Are you following this? Now look at the verse 8. He says and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 
for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb. The what? The mount of God. God made provision of food for Elijah. And God told him to arise and eat because his journey is long. Now, this prophetically is a message for the church also. God knows that the journey of the believer in the Christian faith is also long. He knows you'll be a Christian for 25 years, for 50 years, for 40 years, for 60 years. So the journey is very long. And God says, every child of God must know that because your journey in the Christian faith is long, you will need to eat well. So that you can also, like Elijah, go in the strength of what you have eaten. If not, in the middle of the journey, you will give up. Hunger will kill you. The desert, the wilderness will destroy you. And mind you, he said, he journeyed 40 days and 40 nights onto the mount of God. Remember, we have come to Mount Zion. I told you the last time that by salvation or through salvation, we have come to the mountain. Through spiritual growth and advancement, we climb the mountain. So everybody who has believed Jesus Christ has come to the mountain. But you coming to the mountain does not mean you have climbed it. Are you following this thing? So every child of God is on Mount Zion, but not every child of God has climbed Mount Zion. So he says that he ate and in the strength of that meat, he began to climb. So hear me, the strength to climb, the strength to rise, the strength to move in your walk with God is predicated or founded upon how well you have eaten the word of God. I'm teaching good here. I have come to enjoy the book of Psalm 119 so much. And I believe every child of God should read about, uh, you know, when you divide Psalm 119, it has um, 22 verses, okay, multiplied by 8. That means that you can finish the book of Psalm in this arrangement. If you read 22 verses, eight times or eight times 22 is going to give it all the verses in Psalm 119. So you can divide it into 22 verses to be able to finish Psalm 119. So you can choose to read the first 22 verse, second 22, third 22, fourth 22, unto the eight 22, which makes the full reading of Psalm 119. Every child of God should, should be eating that verse a lot because David began to teach us about the word of God in Psalm 119. Its essence, what it did to him. We, we will know David's attitude. The reason why David was a man after God's own heart was not by accident. I'm telling you. The kind of things he said about his treatment of God's word. 
no wonder there was a man after God's own heart. I never heard any prophet, any priest describe his adoration, his love, his fervency and desire for God's word like David. I saw the attitude of David towards God's word. Let me just show you a few. David's attitude towards God's word. They're going to see. I'm just going to read them for you. Psalm 119, the verse... Um, look at the verse 67. He says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept thy word. So, one of David's attitude was to keep his word to to come out of affliction. In the verse 6 of the same chapter, look, he says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have what? Respect unto all thy commandments. So David had respect to the word of God. Look at the verse 11. He says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may that I might not sin against thee. So David hid the word of God in his heart. Look at the verse 15. He says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. So David meditated on the word of God and again he shows respect for the word of God. Look at the verse 20. He says, my soul breaketh for my soul breaketh for the longing that it had unto thy judgment at all times. So David's soul was broken for the love that he had for the word of God. He yearned for it. Look at the verse 60. He says, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. So David is telling us about the haste that he had when he came to God's word. Praise God. Look at verse 63. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy word. So David valued God's word to the extent that the, word, the value you have for the word of God influences association and friendship. If you don't value the word of God, he's not your friend. Look at this guy's attitude for the word of God. He chose companions by the, by the criteria of the word of God. Or what's your criteria for choosing friends? What's your criteria for choosing friends? Look at the verse 60. Um, sorry, 92. 92. Unless thy law had been my delight, I should then have perished in my affliction. So David is saying, I had delight, joy, excitement about the word of God. You know, sometimes, most of the time, there is a certain excitement when you are anticipating a movie that has come. Hmm? like Black Panther, the second, the part two. The anticipation, Charlie, I mean this move, I mean them, and you had it on your pen drive. It's like there's a certain joy. You, you are in a hurry to watch it. David said he had it not for Black Panther. He had it for the word of God. And God was observing him. All these things you are doing, God is watching you. God is watching you. Your attitude towards God's word against your attitude towards your phone. 
He's checking it. Your attitude towards his word, against your attitude towards Facebook, he's checking it. That's why I said love is not confession. Because God sees beyond your mouth. He looks deep in your heart on your attitude, what you do in the house, how you are behaving towards his word. God looks at it so God can determine those who love him. I'm telling you. God sees that you are late going to work and you remember that I have to read the Bible so in the car you open the Bible. You, were, you didn't even care that others were watching you. It, it, was, it was your back case and you're reading it in the car then you smile like that. Ah, I love you Jesus and I'm watching you. What's wrong with this guy? In this, in this era do we do this? And God is watching how you, you choose to feel okay to express your walk with God so that others can see that there is a God and God is watching you. Many don't know that God watch, watches. He descends, he checks her heart. He checks her attitude towards his word. And this is where he blesses us. This is where he honors us. And you see, nothing happens by chance. I'm telling you. Look at the verse 93. Look at David. He says, I, oh, I love it. He says, I will never forget thy precepts. For with them, thou hast quickened me. So David had an attitude of not forgetting the word of God. He didn't forget it. He didn't take it for granted. He didn't forget it. Or you read it and forget it. But David did not forget it. Look at the verse 97. The verse 97. He says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day. Now, what have you been thinking about in the daytime? David said he loved the word of God to the extent that that became his meditation. Now, now, now hear me. Hear me. Whoever you truly and genuinely love, you think about so hear me whatever you spend time thinking about is a sign you love it this is a spiritual principle whatever you spend time thinking about is a sign you love it so for example if you think about how broke you are for a long time it's a sign you love to be broke I'm, <laughs> you, may, you may smile but it's true because anything you love, you think about it. If you think about some trouble or affliction you're going through, you are saying you love the affliction more than God. That is why if you think about God and meditate upon him all day, it's a sign you love him. And you always become what you think about. As a man thinketh, so is he. You are your fault. I'm telling you. Whatever preoccupies your mind soon becomes a reflection of your image and identity. It's just a matter of time. That's why those who think bitterness will eventually become bitter people. So you are what you meditate upon. And David said, it is my meditation all day. That was David's attitude. Hear me. Have you realized it is more evil to, it, it is more easier to think evil than good? Have you realized it is more evil, it is more easy to, to commit sin than to commit righteousness? Have you realized that? That is the nature of the fall. That's what the fall did to us. So it will take an extra effort to be good. 
It will take an extra effort to think about God. It will take an extra effort to meditate on God. So you must put in that effort to be able to meditate on God. So every distraction must deliberately be confounded with the meditation of the word of God. So you must carry the scripture, put the scripture in your memory and ponder over it. You must be deliberate. Satan knows that this mind, one of his function is meditation. He knows. So, and he knows the power of meditation. If you want to understand the power of meditation, look at the Buddhists. How they, they meditate until they suspend. Realities are created through meditation. So, they, 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 they have mastered the art of meditation. So, which equally means that whatever you keep pondering over time, you create it and empower it. I repeat myself, whatever you think on and meditate upon, you create it and empower it. You give life to it. You animate whatever you ponder over time. Satan knows this. That is, that is why he has won over a lot of Christians. He will make you worry. He will make you think of all the problems you are going through to the extent that you begin to create its reality Push it and empower it, activate it, and make it real in your life. He's a master of that. So, whatever I'm giving you are secrets. When you know these secrets, now you know anytime a bad thought comes or anytime a thought of worry, anxiety is taking over your life, you should know that there is an agenda for that worry. Because Jesus said, which of you by worrying has added a single cubit to his height? Which means there is nobody who worried. Eh? And after worrying, his hips increased by six inches. Have you ever heard that before? Is there anybody who worried and his height grew by five inches before? No. So listen, there is no addition. There is no benefit in worrying. So why choose it? It's like, you know, they tell us that there is nothing in Wele. Right? There is no nutrients inside Wele. So if you are eating Wele, you are just eating Wele. And also no more In that same vein, there is no nutrients in worrying. Worrying doesn't add anything. It doesn't subtract anything. It's like you are complicating your life by worrying. It's been like almost two to three days. Some heavy bills and some heavy things have come upon me. Eh? It, it, the way I'm preaching it doesn't look like it. But the pressure on my head. Me the pin a womb. I have a Me why is there? But by worrying, you you can't worry for a miracle. You can't worry for a miracle to happen. It's not possible. That is why God knows this principle. So he said that instead of worrying, what you're supposed to do is to make requests and supplication to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding. So I'm working in peace. Though my issue has not yet been solved, I'm still at peace. Because he said the peace of God that what? 
surpasses understanding will do what? Guard your mind and your heart. Which means that everybody must have a protective gear. It's called the peace of God. It protects your mind and your heart. If the peace of God is not functioning in your life, you open a door for Satan to attack your mind and heart. So hear me. Anytime the devil wants to make you worry, find a counter scripture concerning the situation and think upon it. If you don't have any, think of how good God has been to you and thank him and praise him. Because listen, like I said, by worrying, you don't add anything to it. But by praising, you are adding something. You are changing something. You are fixing something. By worshiping, by thanking, by prayer, you are doing something spiritual that can change your spiritual condition. I'm teaching good here. That's why I would never cry because I have money. I, I don't have money. Because crying does not bring money. I'm teaching you here. So, so hear me. The word of God eh, is a description of the outline of our spirituality. If the word of God does not define the outline for your spirituality, your emotions will define it. So, the word of God must detect how your emotions will be. The word of God must detect how your mind should be. And what you should think upon. Listen, your body, your soul, your spirit, it does not know its function until it has encountered the word. So, it is the word of God that explains how things should be in a man's life. How your life must function. It is the word of God that explains it. So, if you don't give attention to the word of God, you will malfunction. That is why the word of God brings a man's spirit, soul, and body into fusion and alignment. I've not gotten there yet, but you're going to get there. You're going to learn a lot of things. I'm telling you. So hear me. Don't allow your emotions to take over your life. Because if it takes over, you will lose balance. So let the word of God teach you how emotional your emotions should be. It should teach you the parameters of your emotions. The parameters of what you should be thinking about and where you shouldn't be crossing in your thought process. So anytime any part of your spirit, your system wants to be free, if I say a tip free, you have to call it back. You see, maybe you have not experienced what I'm teaching, so you won't value it. Yeah. You have maybe you have not experienced what I'm teaching, so you won't value what I'm saying. That's a serious matter. How your mind can give you certain crazy ideas. How certain thoughts can bring you into deception. Because sometimes you your mind will tell you, everybody has left you. And your mind is forcing you to accept it as truth. 
Meanwhile, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if the devil is trying to make you feel that way, you remind him that if I don't care about that, but as long and as far as I'm concerned, God is with me. You have to, you have to deal with that thing. Because when you soon accept it, you begin to see it as truth. And because that reality cannot be truth, you will live in error. So hear me. The word of God is your reality. Anything else is not real. I'm telling you, the word of God is your reality. Whatever it does not say is not real. Because God's word is called truth. Sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word is truth. That word truth is reality. So there is nothing more real than the word of God. Which means that worrying, whatever you are worrying about yourself is not you. It is not a reality about yourself. Unfortunately, many have accepted a false reality. And they are living on it. They are building on it. And it's destroying their lives. How am I even here? Because I didn't plan to say these things. That means there's someone here God is speaking to. Anytime I leave my notes, it means that God is ministering to somebody directly. Don't let this thing pass at the back of your ears and go back and live the same way you are living. Confessing the same things you are confessing. No. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? The verse 98. Psalm 9, the verse 98. He says, Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me. Look at David. According to David, God's word made him wiser than his enemies. That means anyone who sticks with the word of God will become truly spiritually wise. We call that spiritual intelligence. You become wise. Look at the verse 100. The verse 100. I understand more than the ancients because I kept thy precept. Hey! I understand more than the ancients because I kept thy precept. Look at David's confessions about the word of God. Look at the verse 103. He says, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. That means when you see the word of God, you say, We hear me taste. He says, Yeah, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Sweeter than honey. Sugar pie. My darling. You see, he didn't bring your Bible, so you can't hack it. Hug your phone. My sweet sugar. That's it. I love, I love the word of God. Sweeter than honey. Sweeter than honey. Sweeter to my taste. We have a taste. Wow. 
Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. I love the word. I love the word of God. I love it. <laughs> Glory. Now, look at the verse 105. The verse 105. He says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So David was saying that his word brought him direction. Look at the verse 111. 111. 111. He says, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. Hey! David saw the word of God as an inheritance. Every verse is an inheritance for him. He has taken it as an heritage. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. Anything else that gives you joy outside of God's word won't last. I'm telling you. It's temporal. Look at the verse 113. Huh. I hate vain thoughts, but thy Lord do I love. David is telling us something. What thoughts come to mind? If it's vain, he says, hate it. And love God's word. Vain thoughts. Thoughts that don't glorify God. David said he hated it. So that means David was in charge of his mind. He was in charge of his thoughts. I love thy law. Look at the verse 127. He says, therefore, I love thy commandments above what? Gold. Yea, above fine gold. That means David is saying that he exalted God's word above money. Those times they used silver and gold as financial exchange. So David is saying that I value the word of God above money. You know, some of you value your work above the word of God. That's what is happening to you. You value your education above the word of God. But David is saying he valued, he loved his commandments above money. Listen, if your love for money is more than your love for the word, you are not safe spiritually. That love of money will kill you because the Bible says for the love of money, money is not evil, but the love of money is the root of every evil. Envy, jealousy, murder, unsatisfaction. Name it. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Please, don't love money. Love God. Don't love money. Love God. Is someone getting blessed here? Look at the verse 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. I hate every false way. So David is saying that he esteemed the word of God as that which is right. And by so doing, he has begun to hate every false way. Glory to God. Look at the verse 140. 140. He says, thy word is what? Very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Look at David's attitude. The love that he had for the word of God. Look at the verse 143. 143. He says, trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delight. David has given us a solution. 
That means troubles and anguish should never replace the value of the word of God in your life. Someone says, I'm going through a lot so I can't read my Bible. What? What? I'm going through a lot so I can't pray. If, you see, God knows that life is tough. This world comes with issues. This one is unfair. It comes with challenges. So, in the midst of that, he knows. So, he says, be anxious for nothing but by what? Prayer. In everything by prayer and supplication. God knows. So, hear me. Never let anguish and trouble replace the place of the word. Read your Bible in pain. Read your Bible in affliction. Read your Bible when things are not well. Read the Bible when things are well. Read the Bible when you are angry. Read the Bible when you are not angry. Read the Bible when you are offended. Read the Bible when you are not offended. The word of God, you, you, you still eat when you are offended. You still eat when you are angry, but you don't want to take the word of God. No matter what you go through, you still eat. Likewise, no matter what you go through, you must still feed on the word of God. Because listen, without, without feeding, there is no life. I pray what I'm teaching will help somebody. Maybe you, you are yet about to go through something. Keep this in your spirit. Maybe you're also here going through something. Let this thing guide you. Because David is telling us that it is in the word that we are brought out of trouble. We are brought out of affliction. He says, yet thy commandments are my delight. He still had love for the word of God when his heart was not okay. Sometimes I have questions for God though, as a pastor. Yes. I have questions for God. But they never replace my value for his word. That's how many Christians backslid. That's how many Christians lost their fire. And hear me, if you're the type that troubles and affliction easily sway you from the word of God and prayer, Satan will always attack you with more. Yes. Satan will upgrade it so that you never arrive there. So that you never come back to the word of God. He will upgrade it. He will bring one trouble after another because he has realized that anytime you're in trouble, you don't pray. Anytime you're in trouble, you don't pick your Bible. So sister says, oh, okay, so I know your secret. Once you are recovering from the first trouble, I package a new one for you. And this is the reason why many Christians have already read their Bible for six months. Because hear me, troubles never end. Sometimes says, man of God, you are not encouraging us at all. Because I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes the truth is bitter. Jesus told us something. He says in this world, you will have affliction. He says you will have... Let's go into the word of God. You see, you don't like the truth. You want me to prophesy to you and tell you that a year by this time, you'll be in the UK. Open your Bible. Now, he says in John chapter 16, the verse 33. Open your Bible there. So in as much as we prophesy that great things will happen to you, we also give you the reality of the word because the word of God is, is a, 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 it's a double-edged sword. It has one side, it has the other side. He says this thing, no, read together. Loudly. One, two, go. Yes. 
Oh, he says, in the world, he shall have what? Which means if you're a child of God that doesn't want to experience tribulation, leave this world. And if you leave this world, there are only two places you could go, hell or heaven. I get what I'm saying. But he's telling you, listen, it's either Jesus is lying or some of our prophets are lying. Because anytime we make Christians feel that there is no trouble, everything will be fine, a year by this time, don't worry, you are coming out, you are doing this, you are breaking out, you are here. We can create a false hope. So anytime that same Christian begins to go through trouble, he says, God, you didn't plan this for me. This is not in a plan. You told me through this prophet that you said that a year by this time. Now it's a year. Please, are you following what I'm saying? He's saying, these things have I spoken unto you that where do you have peace? In who? In Christ, not in your job. In Christ, not in your parents. See, some of you are trying to derive peace, financial stability, all this peace that you're looking for. You are trying to look for it in other things. He says you may have peace in me. That means you can have financial struggles but have peace in Christ, in the midst of it. Because real peace is in Christ. So he says that you might have peace in the world, you shall have what tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You stop serving God because you have bad news, you stop serving God because you fail in an exam. You are weak, you are being carnal, you're not being matured as a child of God. And as your pastor, I must tell you the truth anything that takes the reality of the word of God and that makes you run away, walk away from God because of a tribulation is a sign you were not strong to begin with you are not a threat to the devil in that way no Psalm 119 the verse 162. I rejoice at thy word ah, as one that findeth what? Great jackpot. Super bet. What's the new one? Aviator. <laughs> David says that when I get God's word, that's my super bet. It's as though I've won US lottery. It's as though I've won Avieta. It's as though I've won Lotto. It's, 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 that's it. God's word. My joy. I got some super bets. A fuck. You know, super bet can range. Chelsea, man, you two one, man, range. Manchester and Man City, three one, no range. What range bet ten? That's our ten. Remember ten k. What range in a nine go through? And a last one, a buffet. Now, this super bet has been designed in such a way that the probability of you winning is one out of ten. That's why, you see, people who are into that, eh, you are trying to create a false way of raising money for yourself. And it comes with disappointment. So Satan is inside. He's inside that thing. I'm telling you. Yes, super bad. It has destroyed many young people. I'm telling you, who want quick money? 
It doesn't come like it comes with trouble. Satan knows. You see, you see, it looks like okay. The Amidibe co it draws into the Amidibe super bed. The Amidibe co juju ni there. The Amidibe blow money there and the Amidibe super bed. It's actually the same thing, coming from different sources. But the same devil is the one who is orchestrating all these things. Oh, there are girls who, who do super battle. You don't know. But unfortunately, some, they are not here. Yeah. I was told that, that I, I was told, even in one church, there was an elder. Eh? They took him a video. Whilst the preaching was going on, he was doing super bet. And one of the members took the video and posted it. He's an elder in the church. Like the one preaching out the front or calculating. Him. But it's no follow results. <laughs> Whilst we are doing evening prayers, no follow results. There's no fulfillment in that. This is your super bet. I'm ah. telling you. It's the best bet that has been failed. Ah. Stop clapping. <laughs> I clap his Hallelujah. Look at the verse um, 165. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you David's, David's attitude towards the word. Great peace have they which love thy law. Oh, you want to have peace. Love is law. Love is word. He says, and nothing shall offend them. Wow. And finally, look at the verse 172. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for thy, all thy commandments are righteousness. Wow. So David, when he opens his mouth, is the word. Please, are you following this? Now, quickly, I want to teach you on the, our attitude towards the word. Now, if you want to profit from the word of God, there's an attitude. You, people just think you can just take your Bible and just decide that uh, what is there for today, let me read. There's an attitude you need to deliver. If you don't have these attitudes I'm mentioning, you will not profit enough from the word of God. These are tested and tried. Founded on scriptures attitude towards the word so anytime you approach the word of God these attitudes must be a part of it to be able to glean to benefit from the word of God the first attitude towards the word of God is that you must treat the word of God as the voice of God and a guide for spirituality you must treat the word of God as God's voice or the voice of God to us and our guide for spirituality. Psalm 19, verse 7. We must treat the word of God as the voice of God to us and as a guide for spirituality. Now hear me. The first attitude in approaching the word of God is to value it as God's voice speaking to you. In other words, the way I am speaking to you, you can hear my voice. 
God is saying that if you want to benefit from the word of God, you have to start treating it as God's voice to you. So when you hear in the beginning was the word, it is the voice of God talking to you. Please, are you following this? Now, so, so hear me. So what we are saying is that like God spoke to Abraham, he can quicken his word to us as his voice. So I'm sure some of you are wondering, like, I like the way God spoke directly to Abraham. We can have that same experience with the word of God. I made a statement the other time. Re prayer is you talking to God. Bible study is God talking to you. So, the moment you take the Bible, you are treating it as the voice of God coming to you to talk to you. Someone says, so why is it that God won't do it direct? Like he did it in Abraham's day. Because it is unnecessary for him to do it. He will only do it when it is very necessary. Listen, God hasn't wasted things though. Once he knows he has given you his word, there are some revelations he won't give to you again. He has given you his word and his spirit. So, he won't waste time coming to appear to you every single day to tell you what's going to happen in a day. No. Now, how did the Bible come to us? Oh, sorry, how did the Bible come to us? Because hear me, before we ever had the Bible, there was a process that took place. God spoke to people through different means. He spoke to people through their conscience. He spoke to people through dreams. He spoke to people through visions. He spoke to people through trances. He spoke to people through audible voices. So God had different means of communicating his revelation. Are you following this? But now... How long was God going to continue doing that? Because now, if there are 6 billion people in the world, God will have to find different ways of communicating to all these 6 billion people. So, how can God get a more permanent way of communicating a self-revelation of himself so that man can keep that record? So, God designed a plan that what I'm going to do is that what I speak and what I say will be documented so I don't have to repeat myself. Please, are we following this? So, what God said to Abraham that he wants to say to you, he has said it in his word. So, listen, there were about five processes. Huh? Through which the Bible came to us. The first process was called revelation, number one. How the Bible came to us. The first process is called what? Revelation. Revelation is God's communication of himself. Revelation is God revealing himself. Revelation is God unveiling himself to a man. That is revelation. That means something that is covered that is now uncovered so the first process through which the bible came to us was revelation which is god communicating a revelation of himself to man are you following the process
The second revelation is what we call inspiration. Second Timothy chapter 3, the verse 16. 2 Timothy 3.16. The Bible says for all scripture. That word scripture is revelation of God. Okay. Is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration means is God breathed. Is given by inspiration of God. Now give me another version. Give me NLT version so you, you see that word inspiration. Scripture is inspired by God. Give me NIV. All scripture is God breathed. Give me amplify. Every scripture is God's breath given by his inspiration. So hear me. So God had a revelation of himself to communicate to man. And God, who had that revelation, began to do what? Inspire it for people to write it. So the second process through which the Bible came to us was inspiration. He began to breathe upon certain people. He gave certain people special discernment and perception skills. So the second process was inspiration. The third process is called original authors. Remember, that inspiration did not come through angels. That inspiration came through who? Men. Who are the men? Which is number three? Original authors. So there are over 25 to 30 authors of the Bible. Surprisingly, None of them knew each other. And sometimes the interval between one author and the other was about a thousand years. Yet they all wrote the same thing which made sense. How is that possible? They spoke the same language. They didn't know each other. Whatever they communicated made the Bible complete. So God had a revelation. He had to do it via inspiration through original authors. Are you following that? Then the fourth process is called transmission. Now remember, these original authors who wrote the Bible, they didn't write it in a paper. During those times, they wrote them on something called papyrus. It was like animal skin, scrolls. And it wasn't that Isaiah knew that he was going to be Jeremiah. No. They wrote it by the inspiration of God on various writing paths in the then times. And God found a supernatural way of making them transfer it or transmit that communication into a material that can be put together. Are you following this? So, the first one was the revelation of God's truth, right? The second was the inspiration of God's truth. The third was the authors of God's truth. Fourth is the transmission of the truth. And the fifth is the canonization of the truth. To canonize means that to bring together, to accept as truth.
So when something is canonized, that means that it has been agreed and accepted as truth. And hear this, you know, by the time Jeremiah, Isaiah, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, all these books were written, there were also other books. Like the books, the book of the war of the Lord. The seven books of Moses. The book of Joshua. Maccabees. Tobits. All these books were there then. Are you following this? So now, all these books were in circulation. How can we be able to find out what is the truth? So, by that same orchestration of God, God made them put the 39 books together. Same process in the New Testament books also. They put them together and they had one canonization. Are you following, are you following this thing? So, it began with what? The revelation of God. The thing was upon God's heart. He wants to reveal himself or make himself known, right? But God wanted to find a more permanent way of communicating himself so that equally, everybody can look through this material and know God everywhere the same way. So that God does not appear to you as an antelope and appears to this one as something else. So that this one says, I saw God as this. This one says, I saw God as There'll be confusion. Are you getting that? So God wanted a permanent way where someone will be in Jamaica and still know God. Wow. Will be in China and still know God. That is why God did it in such a way that today when we quote John 3.16, it's the same to anybody holding a Bible in China. How realize the thing is sweet? So it, there's no struggle. When you go to Jamaica, you go to India, you go to China, when you say John 3.16, it's John 3.16 for God so love the world. There's no third chronicles. Are you following what I'm saying? So it was the revelation of God's truth which became what? Inspiration of the truth. We became the authors of the truth. Transmission of the truth and canonization of the truth. So the Bible became a complete book for us. In fact, the Bible was put together to be accepted as a total canonization by uh, a man called Father Athanasius. And he did that uh, uh, um, canonization in AD 367. So the Bible was canonized and called Bible in AD 367. By Father Athanasius. By a divine way. He just took the books. Because during those times in the New Testament also, there were other people who were writing letters. Apart from Peter, Paul, and some of them. There was a book called Apocalypse of Peter. They knew people respected Peter. So they would write their own epistle and put Peter's name inside. There was the Gospel of Barnabas. There was the Epistle of Thomas. All these books were in circulation. So if God did not find a divine way of canonizing the Bible, there would have been trouble. Are you following that? So now today, the best platform upon which you can hear the voice of God is what? The word of God. So your attitude to the word is to treat it as God's voice and your guidance for spirituality.
You know, there are people who want to be spiritual, but they want to be spiritual their own way. You know people like that? They want to be spiritual, but they are spiritual their own way. You know, there are people who believe in heaven, but they believe in heaven their own way. That's dangerous. So they said to me, spirituality is sometimes when you wake up in the morning, you lie on the bed and you just think upon the trees. To me, I'm able to connect with God that way. Hey, hey, hey. So some people want to define spirituality by their own standard. You can be in big trouble by that measure. It is only the word of God that can describe how we should live our spirituality. I'm teaching good here. So that's your first attitude towards the word. Second attitude. We must treasure, we must see the word of God as our treasure and sustenance worth more than gold and food. We must treat the word of God as our treasure and sustenance more than worth more than gold and food. Now we need to understand that the word of God is the key to our health and wealth spiritually. The word of God is the key to our spiritual health and wealth. If you have the word of God, then you are truly rich. If you have the word of God, then you are truly healthy. You know, if we eat the right foods, we don't need to go to the doctor. I hope you are aware. I hope you are aware. If you eat the right foods, you don't need to go to the doctor. Because food was supposed, is, was designed to be medicine for the body. So whilst we are eating and having enjoyment, the food we are eating is also healing and repairing our body. That was how food was designed. Unfortunately, because of the GM product you have been eating today, the, the food that was supposed to be held to us is now producing more sicknesses to us. But originally, the, the food we eat was meant to heal us and give us good health. Right? Likewise, the word of God you eat will determine how healthy you will be spiritually. Also, the word of God you encounter will also be the key to your spiritual wealth. So he says that 3 John 2, I wish above all things that thou mayest what? Prosper. Prosper. That is spiritual wealth. And be in good health. That's spiritual health. Are you seeing that? So wealth and health is God's dream for the word of God. So he wants us to see the word of God as our food, our medicine. He wants us to see it as our riches, our gold. So look at Psalm 119, the verse 127. 
He says, therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. Yeah, about fine gold. So listen, if you are approaching the word of God, you must treat it as something that is worth more than gold. If you don't have this attitude, you may read it as a ritual or as a storybook. This thing you are seeing here is more than $500 billion. And this thing you are seeing here is more than fried rice. It's more than fufu and good meat. So every food you love as your favorite, he's saying that the word of God. Please, are you following this thing? Now, look at Job 23, verse 12. Job 23, 12. He says, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. This is serious. That's why you study the word of God before you eat breakfast in the morning. Because sometimes by the time you finish eating, you are drowsy. So you don't finish eating one big bowl of water and then come, come to open the Bible, Jesus speak. Lord, speak to me. You doze off. So hear me. Remember there's a, there's a law. Whatever happens physically has already taken place in. So which means that the spiritual world is more real and dominant over the physical. So you must dominate your spiritual life more than the physical. So by that equation, you must read and pray before you eat. So you can't do your devotion or read your Bible after you have eaten and you are full. No. If you want to read it after food, that means it's your, it's your second time you are going through the word of God. That one is like a bonus for your spirit. I'm teaching you something new. So you read and pray before you eat breakfast. Before you put any food in your mouth. This is Job's confession. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So do you see that? Every single day, we are proving our estimation of the word of God compared to other things. Every single day. So the next time you, you come and sit down and you're thinking, Lord, I give you my heart. An angel will just be looking at you and say, this girl is fake. I give you my soul. Ah, you give God your heart by giving heart to his word. You give him your soul by feeding your soul with the word of God. That's how you give your soul. I live for you alone. You live for him. Every brother, I take, hey, we are fake. <laughs> Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way. Now we in me and go, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone. This time, administration is condemnation. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Lord, have your way. This is my desire. Is it your desire to honor you 
if it is you, if it is your desire to honor him, then you must honor him by honoring his word. I told you early on that your treatment to the word of God is your treatment to God. What you would do to God when he appears to you is determined what, by, by what you are doing to him now in the word of God. There's no cause for alarm. If you don't see Jesus, if you don't love the word of God, you don't love God. You can't say you love God and don't love his word. It's as though you are saying that you love your car but you don't like fuel. Meanwhile, it's fuel that drives the car. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. Listen, let's be real. You know, I'm the pastor that tells you the truth. The kind of job I do, had it not been the jokes I've been adding, you'd have hated me. <laughs> I know, me, I know. Sometimes I look, I look at him, show me come moi. Anyway. Hallelujah. Mm. Number three. Your third treatment. Now let's do this in five minutes. So exactly 9.15. AJ, please draw my attention. Number three. Believe it as final authority. Second Timothy chapter 3, the verse 16 and 17. Believe it as what? Final authority. So, when you are approaching the word of God, your attitude is to believe that what I'm about to study here, read here, is final authority. That means, this is the book that outlines what I should believe, how I should live, how I should know God, how God has revealed himself. This is the final authority. That means you can't know God outside of the word. You can't even know yourself outside of the word. You can't know this world until the word of God has described it. Until the Bible told us not to love the world. The world does not look harmful. Look at the cars. Look at the TVs. Look at the food. Look at all these beautiful things. Until the word of God described the world, we didn't know the world is not what it is telling us. So the word of God is what? Final authority. You believe it as final authority. So he says all scripture is given by what? The inspiration of God. And it is profitable for teaching that doctrine. For rebuking, reproof, for correction. So listen. God is, God's word is final authority for teaching. Final authority for reproof. That's your conviction. What you should believe. What you should accept as truth. You don't tell me that we are all subject to believe what we want to believe. You, you don't understand. You don't know what you are saying. I believe what I choose to believe. Leave me alone. Everybody has their choice. You don't get this thing. You can choose to doubt it, but that's the truth. So, God's word is final authority for correcting you. Any aspect of your life that is not corrected outside of God's word is training you and preparing you for danger. God's word is final authority for instructing you on how right you should live. 
So you, you can't fall in love with your boss who is married. And tell me that it's genuine love. We can't explain, but we fell for each other. He's a married man. What are you telling me? And, and some will even convince themselves to say that even their wife is not treating her well. <laughs> so the man is not happy in marriage. And the man began to even see that I'm helping the family. Even when they pick the children from school, I'm the one who takes care of them. And the children are also falling in love with me. Uh, so I've fallen. You don't fall for stupidity. That's what see the word of God is telling you what you should fall for and what you should fall into. So you can't tell me that the man's the wife is not treating him well. So it, there's nothing wrong if I date him. God's word is final authority for instructing you in righteousness. Therefore, if dating a married man is not approved by scripture, you dare not because it has consequences. That's what the Bible is teaching. It's final authority. You can't add your mind to it and say God, God understands. Are you following what I'm saying? So people today are doing all kinds of things and they are trying to explain it away with their conscience. Christians stealing from work and they are, and they are saying that uh, well everybody's doing it in the office one year windy God's word is final authority for instructing us into righteousness so you can't say that man must survive so you have to dupe people man must survive so you have to be evil So today, Christians have all kinds of philosophies. All kinds of philosophies. That has clouded the place of God in their lives. We must believe God's word as final authority. Tell somebody final authority. So, 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 if God's word is not final authority, we can be there, someone will come and tell us that he saw God, God has three heads. And because everybody has their version of description of God, we have to believe it. Anybody can come at and come and say that uh, I saw God, and when I saw God, God was this. This was His height. He was this. He came, he came to. You. So everybody can come and give us their version of God, if we don't have a final authority for reference. Are you following what I'm saying? So he, listen, the only true source of information, trustworthy about the nature of God, knowing God, relating with God in our spirituality, is only found in his word. I repeat myself. The only true source of information, trustworthy about the nature of God, knowing God, and relating with God in our spirituality, is found in the word of God. So I don't care what you believe. You can't know God outside the word of God. Are you here with me? You can't know God outside the word of God. Today there's a pastor I've heard who has married two wives in his church and was giving scriptures to defend himself. 
He was interviewed and then he was saying that, well, he made his choice. And that he believes that you can marry more than one wife. So he has, he, he, the wife was sitting down, he went to marry and came to add it. And he even gave announcement that uh, if he falls in love again, he'll marry again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a head pastor of a church. When the Bible says a bishop must have what? One wife. So do you see that the word of God is final authority? You can't add your version to it. Now, you see, so it is the word of God that exposes falsehood. The word of God exposes falsehood. I'm telling you. So if that man is your pastor, he has exposed himself. What he has done today is that when his church members marry five wives, he can't talk. He can't talk again. He has silenced himself forever. Forever. Even if he corrects himself by what he has done openly, he has condemned himself. I'm teaching good here. This final one is so important that I don't want to talk about it without explaining it into detail. So we'll continue um, next week. Now, um, quickly give me the three attitudes I just mentioned. What's number one? The first attitude towards the word of God. As what? The voice of God. So that means when you're reading the Bible, you treat it as God speaking to you. God's voice. When he says, do not love the world. It's the voice of God telling you all the things in it. It's God talking to you. Be filled with the spirit. Speaking to yourselves in summer hills. It's God talking to you. Oh, let us come and bow down before him and kneel down. God is telling you how to approach him. He's saying when you come to me, I love it when you kneel down, when you bow down, and when you, when you, when you lift up your hands. I love it. It's God explaining himself to you. So it's God speaking to you. What's number two? What? See it as a treasure and sustenance worth more than gold. And what? Food. So anytime you come to uh, the word of God, you have come to your dining table. And anytime you come to the word of God, you have come to your mining ground. So the word of God is your dining table and your mining ground. Your dining table where you eat, your mining ground where you mine gold. So you see your study of the word as a, an eater and as a worker. This is my sustenance. I won't treat it as anything because this is what I eat to make me healthy. This is how I work to become rich. So by it, we mine and we dine. Amen? Number three. We treat the word of God as final authority. Claire. Senepa, finish it. But did you understand what I said? Myself, I don't understand what I said. What's the meaning of uh, finished? Sefini. Bon, Sefini. 
Job will say, shape it, eh? It means, did you understand what I'm saying? Oh, man, can he? All right. All right. Let's bow down our heads. Please, if you're here, as your, your hurts are bowed down, you are here, you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. You are not born again. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to receive the life of Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to become a child of God. If you're here, you don't know Jesus. You're going to lift up your hands and we are going to lead you to prayer. If you don't know Jesus as our heads are bowed down, you want to receive salvation, just lift up your hands and let's lead you to Christ. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar.
just want to be with you. I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be where you are. And dwell in daily in presence. I don't want to worship from afar. I just want to be with you. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. Dwelling in your presence. Fisting at your table. Surrounded by glory. In your presence. That's where I always want to be. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. Wanna be? I wanna be where you are, dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, surrounded by the That's where I always want to be. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. Dwelling in your presence. Feasting at your table. Surrounded by glory in your presence. That's where I always want. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you for the last time. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you 